Dr. Joe difference at stlmedweightloss.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Tuesday, January 30th. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Johnny No Thumbs. (laughs) Good morning, Connor McCarthy. And Connor, thank you for filling in yesterday. Good morning. We have a great show for you coming up today. We're going to uh, chat with Dr. David Carr from Park Provence, and he is one of the nation's experts and leading researchers on dementia and all different types of Alzheimer's. So he'll uh, join us at 1035. Jay O'Brien will be here from ABC News. And it is Tuesday, so Joe Holloman joins us at 1108 from the St. Louis (laughs) Post-Dispatch. No. So, once upon a time, (laughs) on Playoff Sunday... My cousin is in town, and she's a Ravens fan. She's from Baltimore. Lives in Ocean Pines, Maryland now. So you know how I am during the football game. And Mark... You keep a low profile. My cousin says, right, are watching football, and I am in the kitchen working, and my friend Jean... Was, I was going to go get her at 3 o'clock and bring her back for an early dinner. Right. Not only can I not multitask, I cannot multi-think. I need to focus on what I am doing and the chore at hand, especially if that chore is slicing potatoes with a mandolin. <gasps> And as I got the mandolin out, which I've used many times to make these scalloped potatoes, I said, don't do anything stupid. Wouldn't it ruin the day? You're familiar with mandolins, right? I certainly am. I have one. But it's small. Guess what I forgot to use? The The little... The, the thing you attach the to thingy the potato. That you attach and then, to it. Yeah. Oh, so you were just using your fingers. I used my hand. What was okay. I thinking? I wasn't thinking. All yeah. of a sudden, it's like, ah! And I'm like, okay, we got to go. I know this is bad. So I wrapped my hand up in a towel when I was walking into Total Access Urgent Care in Richmond Heights. And I want to thank them. They did a great job. I'm holding my hand by my stomach. And they told me later we thought it was like a stab wound to your stomach. (laughs) But Whitney, Isaac, Allison, and Braden, thank you. Because my thumb, okay, six stitches, no problem. But my middle finger, I I don't even want to tell you. I sliced off half my fingernail. Ah, 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 ah. See, that's, that's I'm sorry, that's painful. just a that's just an un um that's a very unprofessional reaction. But that just makes my skin I mean everybody and like they crawl say, right off my body. The young woman, Whitney, who stitched me up, you know, she's looking at the lack of fingernail and, I, and my best friend was in with me then because Mark took me there and then he went to get Jean to bring her back for dinner. And uh, said he would do the rest of the cooking. And I said to Whitney, how bad is this? She said, it's not the worst I've seen. Uh, I've seen the bone before, but, you know, removing your fingernail, that that's pretty bad. She said, I would never use a mandolin. And she said, the other injury we see all the time is from cutting avocados. And Mark said he heard you mention yesterday oh, yeah. something about cutting an avocado. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, as you said... Our eyes are open. We appear to be awake, but our brain is not functioning. I was thinking, wow, I'm so many dishes are piling up, and I'm only working on the potatoes. So I forgot to put the thing 
Because you're just like, rushing. It's ridiculous. You're thinking, oh, how hard is this? <laughs> it's a thing, potato. A total access to urgent care. Braden said, bet you wish you got those Amazon cutting gloves. <laughs> I'm like, you bet I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we had we had uh, a few uh, Facebook messages for you with links to products to protect your little fingers. <laughs> and John said, this is so sweet. I said, she's going to be so happy to see all of this. When she gets back, if she gets back, but you know that middle finger that you have taped up, that is really one way to say hello world. (laughs) But don't you? I can't get this ham wet until tonight. But your hair looks fantastic considering. I put my right hand in a plastic bag and held it up outside the shower. Of course. Everything takes longer. Listen, MFA said I told you to order wings and pizza. (laughs) He was right. (laughs) Now he can say that he was right. Um, So when it happened, did you say, it's so strange that Wendy has been laughing about this since yesterday. Not very funny to me at all. Hope you feel better, Jennifer. It's funny to me now that it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not laughing She's at laughing the injury. I'm laughing at the process because we've all You've been done, there and done that. Exactly, yeah. right. Um, but, like, when it happened, did you just immediately grab a towel and wrap it? Oh. Or did you, did oh, no. you say, did you say, fooey? Or did you say... Shoot. I, I don't I don't think I said anything you didn't like say that. Anything. And I you just felt knew. no pain. But oh boy. Blood was spurting. So I had to wrap everything. And I knew from maybe ten years ago I cut my heel on a metal thing on the door and I did nothing about it. And the next day they said to me at I went to urgent care and they said, Why didn't you come in immediately? And I'm like, I don't know. I sprayed something on it that stopped it from bleeding. And they said, No, when it's a cut this deep, you have to come in. Or you could get bacteria in it. So I knew immediately that we had to go. So I just wrapped it up in a towel. Did you look at it? Well, I couldn't. I looked at it, but I couldn't see because there was so much blood. So I just wrapped it. And then, you know, 11 minutes later, we're there at urgent care. And I had no no pain, you know, because it was all so quick until I got in there. And I can just say thank you for topical lidocaine. Oh, because isn't I couldn't it? even clean it. You know, there are so many nerve endings under our fingernails. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer, I did the same thing with the mandolin. Mother's Day 2005, got to spend a few hours in the ER. Then nobody wanted to eat the potatoes. Which is understandable. And I then- did the same thing. First time out using my mandolin, threw it away, bought a safe. Well, I have, I do have a safe one, but I forgot to. Because it's just the thing that you put. Over the potato or the onion. Right, or the... and that protects you. Right. And why did I forget that? Because I was thinking about, oh, gee, I have so many dishes in the sink already. Wow. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you, I, I've never had a problem with a mandolin because I thought I was smart enough to focus, but I cannot multi-think. From the 314, ladies, was McGraw mean to Mary Lynn? I have no idea what's going on. Um, so we'll have to get to the bottom of that because if he, if he was, which he wouldn't be, um, we'll have to go and give him a talking to, we'll have to leave the air. (laughs) Welcome back, Jennifer. (laughs) Doctor says no hitchhiking for a while. Also your Super Bowl food will be finger sandwiches. Have a great day. Mailroom JD. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Well, and then Mark, you know, I wanted to 
still go get Jean. And sure. I said to Mark, okay, you need to go get her now. She's waiting for this. But and she would have, she would have said, understood. And Mark said, call her and just tell her we're running late. So he went and picked her up, and he told her on the way. And then he had to make the dinner, of course. And I said, you you better check the mandolin first and wash it because I'm sure there's blood on it. <laughs> well, somebody, another another jokester from the 314, just wanted to know who ate the red potatoes. <laughs> he washed it. He successfully mandolined them. And I'm telling you, it's the most delicious recipe for manchego, smoked pimento, uh, paprika, potatoes. Wow. Manchego cheese and smoked paprika. Did we locate the fingernail? Uh, it might have been in the towel that I threw away at Total Access Urgent Care because, believe me, I wrapped my hand immediately. And in terms of painkillers, are we at about 30,000 feet on, right now or no, 15,000 feet? Tylenol or, oh, and, okay. Like Tylenol. Well, I'm, I'm aware it hurts. But at least tonight I get to unwrap these and wash them. But isn't it amazing how things that you use every day and that you don't really think about, you know, we really don't think about our hands. We mm-hmm. don't think about our uh, a tooth or or what have you. But if you have a problem with it, then you are just completely, you know, like it's like your whole body is off. Yes, and somebody else says they have the cut-resistant gloves and they use them all the time. Believe me, I'm getting them. And my cousin from Baltimore is still here, for which I am grateful. We're having so much fun. But I was saying to Mark when he brought me to work this morning, well, we do have to eat dinner tonight. You know that. You know, there are many things you can do if you don't feel like cooking. One of them is stop at the Piccadilly at Manhattan. It's a great place to have a meal, but they also have the Piccadilly at home. You walk into the restaurant, there's a freezer case there, and they have all their soups and specials, desserts and sausages, lasagna, enchiladas, fresh and frozen for you to enjoy at home. Nick and Maggie and Molly are the owners of the Piccadilly at Manhattan, and it's in the city of St. Louis, but it's right next to Maplewood in the middle of a residential neighborhood. So it has such a cheers feel and homemade delicious food. You can go in by yourself and sit down and have a meal, and believe me, you will walk out with friends because people have been going to the Piccadilly for years. It's the oldest operating restaurant in the city of St. Louis. I think I've been going there 17, 18 years now. Uh, Consider Nick and Maggie close personal friends, and I love it. The Piccadilly at Manhattan or the Piccadilly at home. Soup, specials, desserts, sausages, fresh and frozen for you to enjoy at home. And I assure you, they know what they're doing in the kitchen. There will be no mandolin accidents. Go online. You can see the whole menu, thepiccadilly.com. Uh, By the way, the manchego potatoes with smoked paprika recipe was just sent to our social media director, Tom Hartbeck. So So it it will will, be online, ktrs.com. Be careful using your mandolin and use cut-proof gloves. I highly recommend something I will never forget to do. We definitely have a few of uh, the—actually, we have a— Quite a few of the gallows humor crowd. Um, Jennifer, <laughs> not surprised to hear you really put your heart and soul into your home cooking and some flesh too. <laughs> and then Mike from accounting said, 
Um, where's the name of the oh, blood, blood on, on the, the mandolin. mandolin, a JB kitchen mystery novel. Cause you like food memoirs. I do. So <laughs> I think you might have a future in, oh. you know, lethal kitchen, but it's, but it is true. It is true. So many things in the kitchen can hurt you if you don't, if you don't focus, like focus. Yeah. That is so true. And I would imagine people who work in restaurant kitchens, they must all do this once. I know hairdressers get cut a lot and end up going to the, you know, urgent care. Well, and when you think about it, how they have those scissors that have to be, I mean, they must be so sharp. And they're like the fingers while they're holding your hair up and they're cutting like just in the direction of the fingertips. It's on the other hand. It's like... How do they do that? And they also say if your kitchen knives are not super sharp, it's even more dangerous. I can't figure out why people get cut with avocados. Is it because they're too ripe and people are trying to cut them and they slip? In in my case, it was because I was just not very bright. And I had, you know, an avocado fits so nicely in your hand. Oh. And I I had my Chicago cutlery knife, which it turns out is sharp enough to keep bad guys at bay for just a little while. I mean, this thing is so sharp. So I cut it around the... While holding it in your hand? I cut Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And then since I had it in my hand already, I had twisted it in half, had it in my hand already, the giant pit. Usually what I do is I just take a knife, like the tip of a knife, stick it into the pit, Mm -hmm. and then it just comes out. In this particular instance, oh. yeah. So, oh. so <laughs> as a hairdresser from the six three six, I can tell you, shears are so shot, are so sharp. We, we could, could do, do surgery. surgery. Jennifer, were you cutting blood oranges? I'm sorry. <laughs> that is, these people are so. <laughs> oh, listen. Did you add the urgent care visit to the prep time in the recipe? <laughs> and from the three one four, I say Colonel Mustard in the kitchen with a mandolin. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, speaking of not focusing, and I am—I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna go out on a limb and talk about not focusing, I'm gonna do the same thing, and I'm going to horrify many of my Catholic uh, brethren. Something happened to me that has never happened to me before at seven o'clock mass on Sunday. What? I I, I dropped the host. I've <gasps> never done that before. Father put it in my hand. I had I had it in my hand. And then it just like it just like uh, boomeranged off of my lower lip, and I say, what, "What do you do? You you just Pretend want it, it first of all. You want the you're like, okay, please God, let the floor open me up, swallow me whole, pull me into the earth's crust. I mean that's how. But the and it actually I did tell I did tell my friend Claire I said because I was you know gonna go and disappear. And I said, I looked when I got back to the pew, um, I looked and somebody else did the same thing. So I don't know oh. if it's dry. It might be dry skin. Dry I air. don't, you know, like when, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but I wanted to die. I wanted to die. And of course the the priest was very, very sweet, but yeah, that's, um, that's oh, when your brain isn't firing on all cylinders, I think. Now here's a suggestion. Get a Cuisinart 9 that has a shoot just to slice potatoes. 
And people who sew and quilt and people in the deli also have similar accidents. Oh, yeah. Well, now, somebody yesterday, Connor, didn't they say that there was a, a product? Oh, the bank teller. Um, the bank teller, uh, little the like things little that they have to wear on rubber, rubber covers tips. for mm. their when they're counting the money. So um, all so, of these will be in our future. Very that helpful. That is for sure. Yeah. St. Louis County Library is sponsoring our show now. We're so thrilled about it. We're thrilled to have the Jennifer and Wendy Book Club. But we were thrilled to go visit the library. If you're around Plaza Frontenac, you can just see that headquarters are being renovated. And that particular branch, the headquarters, is supposed to open this spring or summer. But, oh, my gosh, there's so much going on at the library. I mean, it's not just about checking out books anymore, is it, Wendy? No, it really isn't. And one of the things that we are so inquisitive and so excited about is their library of things. Um, It's a very unique collection of non-traditional library materials, including musical instruments, fishing equipment, games and kits and puzzles and more. They are all available to check out for free with your library card. I'll tell you another thing St. Louis County Library card holders can experience, and I, I think I need this, Headspace. It's free, and Headspace makes meditation and mindfulness techniques available online so you can experience the benefits of staying focused and learning how to be mindful about whatever you're doing. All you need is a library card. I think uh, I know two people (laughs) who are going to enjoy that very much. And then, of course, Explore, a brand-new program series called Explore. The series is going to help kids and teens discover new interests through engaging programs. Topics include robotics, yoga, dance, weaving, drawing, and music lessons, and so much more. They have such a terrific lineup of presenters, too, and you've been wanting to get your teenager's hands and uh, face out of the iPhone, right? What a great way to do it. That's right. And St. Louis County Library, of course, has authors all the time visiting. We will highlight some of those authors on the Jennifer and Wendy Book Club here on the Big 550. But why not check it out? Get your library card if you haven't had one for a while. SLCL.org. It is 1035 at the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. This is the Jennifer and Wendy Show. Thank you so much for joining us today and for telling all your friends that you're listening to the Big 550. Um, Many of you have learned over the past several days of the former Tonight Show host, Jay Leno, seeking a conservatorship for his wife of 40-plus years. Her name is Mavis, and we thought this was something that we... Uh, really needed to talk about. So we've asked the medical director of Park Provence, Dr. David B. Carr. Dr. Carr is a professor at Washington University School of Medicine and the director of clinical services for the university's Division of Geriatrics and Gerontology, a nationally recognized expert in the field of memory care. Uh, Dr. Carr, thank you so much for being with us today. Wendy, glad to be here. We know that at Park Provence, you have exceptionally important relationships with the families of your residents. Can you tell us about what leads someone like Jay Leno to to make this type of decision? Yes, I think uh, it's so common uh, with cognitive impairment and in late life, and it can you know it's not all about dementia, Alzheimer's, or could be stroke, traumatic brain injury. Um, but 
people lose their cognitive abilities, and, and some of those have to do with how they organize their life, remember to pay bills, um, you know, depending on the type of deficit. For um, Alzheimer's, very early on, people often have difficulty handling their finances. So uh, it's not uncommon where um, loved ones will step in to take that over. Dr. Carr, is there a blood test to diagnose Alzheimer's? There is. It's a very exciting time. I think what's fair to say about them is they're still in the early stages of validation. A lot of blood tests have cropped up across the globe. Uh, Typically, they're validated against a specific type of test we call the amyloid PET scan. But, But most of the studies so far have been in research samples and uh, typically predominantly white and high-educated participants. So there's a lot of effort right now to take these tests out in the real world. And um, thankfully, there's an investigator uh, at WashU, Dr. Randy Bateman, and colleagues that have just gotten a significant uh, funding award from NIA to take these tests, one that he specifically in the lab has developed, and apply them uh, in real-world clinical settings, internal medicine clinics, uh, neurology clinics, to determine their validation. There are some studies or blood tests out there right now that uh, some are offering, but I think it's a little early yet um, uh, for insurance to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think more work to be done around that. But they're, they're here, and I think they're going to be increasingly accepted. And we're finding that for the new monoclonal antibody treatment that many of the insurance companies are accepting uh, the blood test based on the validation that's been done already. If you're just joining us, our guest is Dr. David Carr. He is Park Provence's medical director, and he is a professor at Washington University School of Medicine. Doctor, let's talk about risk factors and risk reduction. Are we doing as much as we can to help ourselves, in your opinion? Well, we can always do more, but I have been very impressed with the literature. Lancet is a journal um, that um, in 2020 did a deep dive review here. And there are a lot of risk factors, and some of these do have a potential for treatment. You look at excessive alcohol, lack of exercise, um, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, sleep apnea, atrial fibrillation, um, lack of socialization, low education. These are things, a traumatic brain injury with loss of consciousness. So these are all areas that have risk. And by, you know, working and looking uh, and examining, do you have these risk factors or not? I, I do think you can make a dent in slowing the, uh, the onset and or the trajectory of the disease. And I understand you do research on conditions that can impact driving in older adults. You've done studies on this? Correct. Uh, at what point should an older adult stop driving? I know we had this with my dad where we felt like he should not, but we were not the medical professionals. Great question. And and I don't think research has definitively answered that question, but I do think there are some practical, common-sense things that uh, families and and patients can look at. One is if in the setting of a dementia, you've had an at-fault crash, uh, most people in that situation will say, hey, it's time. And second is if your driving has deteriorated to the point that people don't feel safe and comfortable around you, 
That's obviously a pretty good sign. Uh, but we do find even in people who seem okay, they'll come in and they'll get their tests and we'll see that their visual search and their reaction time is very delayed to the point that we know in the literature they are at risk. You'd like to prevent that first accident because uh, any crash for an older adult can really result in serious injury. So in that situation, we will often refer to uh, uh, driving rehabilitation specialist, typically an occupational therapist who's based at uh, hospital rehab uh, and can go out and actually do a performance-based road test. Are, are people being diagnosed at earlier ages, Dr. Carr? Oh, my God. I've been <laughs> – you've got that. That is correct. I go back 30 years ago, and it was very – common when people came into our memory clinic they'd have a moderate to advanced dementia and now we're getting people just on the cusp when they're starting to maybe repeat a little bit or maybe their judgment's impaired it it is really the envelope's been pushed out and i think a lot of that has to do with recognition and education and the alzheimer's association and getting the word out and so dr carr if that is the case is there anything that can be done to reverse Alzheimer's or just postpone it? So uh, postpone it, I think, is where we are in uh, 2024. Um, There's a whole uh, area of research and uh, pharma that is focused in on what we call monoclonal antibody therapy, basically infusions or injections that take care of the Alzheimer's protein. So far, studies have shown we can slow the disease down but we haven't yet been able to stop it or improve it. But so much research is going into this area. We hope we can be there soon. Well, that is fantastic. Dr. David Carr, the medical director of Park Provence and a physician with Washington University. We've wanted to chat with you for a long time. We sure do appreciate your time, Dr. Carr. Thank you, Dr. You're Carr. You're very welcome. Take yep, care. Glad to be here. Um, you know, it is now, I mean, we're just about ready to turn the, the calendar over to February. So what are you waiting for? I know that you made a deal with yourself. You know what? You figured, hey, we have waited for everything else to take care of everybody else in the family, but we want the house to look a certain way, and we're going to do that for us right now. We're going to do that this year. May I suggest a phone call to Ellen and Barbara at the Curtain Exchange? They are the designers. They are the pros. I am not a pro. I am not a designer, which is why I love working with them. They know all the terms. They know all of the latest looks. Um, They know what should have been maybe taken to Goodwill decades ago. They know what they can work with. And that's what they will do for you. They are very, very respectful of everyone's bottom line. Um, They are not going to come in and tell you, oh, you need to purchase this and this and this. They work with what you have. They can help you with an entire house, you know, a, a, a reset, or they can just help you refresh Whichever is is in uh, the cards for you, they will help you get there. And don't ever forget, uh, one of the best things about the Curtain Exchange is there is never an hourly fee. They just don't think it's right. And they know that you're going to get the best result when you're not rushing because you're afraid that there's a stopwatch 
on the appointment. So no hourly fee. It's just part of the Curtain Exchange service. They are located in the heart of Clayton at 8119 Maryland Avenue, 314-863-1112. And when you see them, please tell them that KTRS sent you. A friend of mine who's coming into town to visit next month went online to try to get a dinner reservation and said people are selling their reservations. Mm. And she said, I don't think this has come to our part of the country yet. Are you familiar with this? I've never seen this. And where would they sell? Where would you know to sell it? I mean, on social media? I'll I'll have to ask her that. Maybe on social media we have a reservation to Wright's Tavern is where we were trying to get in. And (laughs) that's the place, right, where you have to start... Do you have to start uh, sending a, an email or whatever online at like 11.59 well, You could get one tonight at 10 o'clock. There are 10 p.m. dinner reservations available there, but they fill up so <laughs> quickly. And apparently they have four open seats at the bar. If you line up at 5 o'clock, maybe you'll get one. But has anybody else ever heard of this? 84126, people selling their reservations. And how do they do it? And I would think the restaurant owner... Does it affect the restaurant owner? I'm not sure. I if I buy a reservation from Wendy Weiss, then I go in and say two for Wendy Weiss. I, I don't know how it works. Right. What are they? I mean, how? They're unless, not going to say prove who you are. Unless they feel like, does that cut them out? What would the bear say? What would they do on the bear? <laughs> right. Would they say a, a check is a check is a check? Or would they say we're missing out on the action? Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the restaurateur. Yes. Has anyone ever heard this? By the way, we watched American Fiction. Oh, where did you, did you watch it? it? No. Yesterday. On, but, but did you go to the movie theater? No. Somehow Mark cast it from his computer to the TV. I'm sure Connor could explain this process. Because I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for it to. And has anybody watched Truman Capote and the, is it the Black Swans? Not yet. Because does that, I don't know if that starts tonight or tomorrow, but I am... Way too excited about I, this. I want to see that. And so, I thought, what did you? You loved it. <gasps> loved it. Loved it. It's fantastic. Is it? Is it nominated for best picture? Yes, I believe so. So it could be. It could come down to American Fiction or Oppenheimer. Mm. Maybe okay. Jay O'Brien knows. Oh, it's ten fifty one. It's time we we get distracted a lot on this show. Let's <laughs> yes, check in with Jay O'Brien, ABC News correspondent who is talking about a House Homeland Security uh, committee meeting. Jay, thank you for joining us. We're pivoting from American fiction to American news with Jay O'Brien. Something like that, yes. <laughs> and and I wish, uh, I mean, I, I cover the, the craziest building in the world, the Capitol, so I wish I had a better insight into other stuff. But unfortunately, it takes up my whole brain. So what's happening today is uh, the House Homeland Security, as you said, is essentially preparing in the legislative process, they call it a markup. These articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary. In theory, by the end of the day, these will come out. And then this is that thing where you hear, and I'm just a bill, I'm only a bill, where it comes out of committee. And then it goes onto the House floor for a vote, where Speaker Mike Johnson has said he wants to have a vote on impeaching the Homeland Security Secretary as soon as possible, maybe by the end of this week, potentially next week. So you're going to see some real action on this. And then if it passes in the House, which it's expected to do, although that could be a little tricky, depending upon how much Republican opposition there is. It goes to a Democrat-controlled Senate, 
which doesn't look like it's going to remove Mayorkas from his job. So at the risk of sounding, again, kind of like a simpleton, this is really all for nothing, or is it just to have um, have this entered in the congressional record, Jay? Well, I mean, that's a great question. So House Republicans will give you a variety of different answers to that, right? Because they're in the driver's seat of this. Uh, they say on paper that they believe Johnson, or not Johnson, they believe that Mayorkas deserves to be impeached because he violated U.S. immigration law by not, among other things, enacting a widespread detention of pretty much every migrant that Border Patrol encounters at the southern border. But you, we've also heard Republicans come out in the last few days and say that they're looking to hold the administration accountable for its handling of the border. And so they're kind of turning to Mayorkas as a sacrificial lamb and all of that. We heard one lawmaker say that Mayorkas needs to, quote, unquote, pay for his sins as it relates to the southern border. So there is rhetoric out there that would indicate that a part of this is Republicans looking to, A, exact a pound of flesh from the administration because they do not like their handling of the border. And B, we know that Speaker Mike Johnson has been under pressure to impeach somebody in this administration, and certainly the further right of the House Republican Conference, Marjorie Taylor Greene especially, who this has been a pet project for, have wanted to impeach Mayorkas for quite some time. Jay, uh, just within the last uh, several minutes, maybe half hour, hour at most, uh, we are getting reports that Representative Cory Bush uh, is reportedly facing a Department of Justice investigation related to the misspending of federal security money um, has anything like that um, made it made it to you? I know you're so busy covering the Mallorca situation, but have you heard any rumblings about this? No, we know from multiple sources that Cory Bush is the subject now of this DOJ investigation. I don't have much detail for you beyond what you just said. We know, again, that it relates to security funds. This all started to kind of percolate yesterday okay. when on the House floor there is this moment, you probably saw the clip, where uh, the sergeant-at-arms says, the sergeant-at-arms has received a subpoena from a federal grand jury for records, et cetera, et cetera. And that was on the House floor, on the live feed cameras there, and we went, received a subpoena, what? And so reporters started asking around about this, and it turns out it appears to be related to this case. Uh, that relates to Cory Bush. We have heard no comment yet from Congresswoman Bush. Uh, we asked congressional Democrats leadership about this. They have offered no comment, um, but we know, according to sources, that she is the subject of this investigation. And that is why we listen to ABC That's News right. at the top of the hour <laughs> and reports from Jay O'Brien. Jay, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. On the Royal Blanks, Missouri text line, Wendy, somebody said Capote versus the Swans is on tomorrow night. Okay, so it starts tomorrow night. I couldn't remember on if it CNN? was. It's on um, FX, I think. FX. It's it's Ryan Murphy. It looked Jennifer O M G. It looks like Callista Flockhart was interviewed. It's about ba- uh, Babs Paley or uh, Babe Paley. Babe Paley. Babe Paley. I, have... I, I couldn't remember. Sounds familiar. Babe Paley was Bill Paley, the chairman of CBS. Um, his wife was this court. He called him Truman Capote. Called these women his swans. And um, then they ended up trying to destroy each other. But Callista Flockhart plays one of these women, these powerful, powerful women in New York. And she said, really, at the end of the day, she said they had it all. She said, but they lived such sad lives. Oh, I can't wait to see this. I know it's going to be great. Um, 
Carol Cake Liz says, being in the ticket biz, this restaurant thing sounds like ticket scalping. It does. This will cause restaurants now to charge a fee for premium reservations so they can get in on the action. If anybody else go. has, Liz is certainly an expert, right, in the ticket exactly. biz. But if anybody else has heard of this in the St. Louis region, somebody's selling their reservations. Somebody said, LOL, my friend tried to give me her rights reservation because she couldn't use it. I turned it down. I'm not into trendy restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sort of, you know, I, I everybody talks about these, about rights, rights tavern. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where you're like, what? And you know, you want to get in there. You can get a burger there. I, I mean, I know they have lots of food, but their burger is supposed to be fantastic. So, um, This is the latest installment of Ryan Murphy's Feud. So I think oh, the it's first time. Oh, it's called Feud? It's, I, th- I think it might just be Feud. Feud. Or, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's just like this. It's like, is, is it like an anthology, Connor, sort of, where they do it every year? I'm actually not sure. I've never Yeah, with a different cast, kind of like Fargo. So oh. it was Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, the first feud. So, yeah, this oh, is going to be worth really looking into. Yes. We're coming up on Top of the Hour News with Steve Potter and ABC. We'll be back with the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy Show. After that, this is the Big 550 KTRS, St. Louis. Hey. It is Tuesday, so it is time to check in with Joe Holloman, Joe's Political Fix in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can read him online, stltoday.com. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? <laughs> well, it's a little early to tell, but so far, so good. Yeah. She's down a few fingers, but <laughs> maybe she, nothing serious. Yeah, she... Um, <laughs> It, it, there was a fight between Jennifer and a mandolin slicer in her kitchen, and Jennifer oh. lost. Right, Man, mandolin right. slicers are the worst. Right, they <laughs> are. are. They I, are. I've at least twice cut myself on those. I don't even use them anymore. I won't even touch them. They are. Yeah, know. they are dangerous. Um, yes, they are. Almost as dangerous as as politics. This uh, Corey <laughs> Bush story. Um, can you give us what you've heard in terms of the latest, Joe? Well, I, there's a uh, a news website, Punchbowl, is reporting that uh, uh, the Department of Justice has subpoenaed records from the uh, Sergeant of Arms at the House of Representatives, who is their custodian of records. Uh, and what they are reporting is it has to do with uh, campaign spending, or excuse me, office spending for security purposes. Mm-hmm. And now we have written about campaign spending, her spending campaign funds. And it's uh, critical to point out that there is a difference on the money spent of your congressional money, which there are allowances, federal taxpayer money that goes to U.S. Congress that pays for legislators, their, their security and their offices and so on and so forth. There's also another pile of money, which is a candidate or an office holder's campaign funds. Those are dollars that people give freely as opposed to taxpayer money where the government just takes it from you to operate the government. Uh, That information, much easier to get a hold of, and it's the stories where we have reported that she has spent uh, more than any other member of Congress on uh, security. It's around still crunching the numbers, but so that I don't go over in the three years that she has been in office, 
from January of 21, so all of 21, 22, and 23, uh, it's over $700,000 that she spent on security uh, out of her campaign funds, including a little over a hundred and something thousand of that spent on a gentleman named Courtney Merritt, who she married last year. Correct. And and that uh, caused a couple of ethics complaints. One dismissed. One still being uh, one still being investigated. Now those are two separate piles of money. Where the intersection comes, it should come as no surprise. The Department of Justice is not saying anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as a case being under investigation. So, but uh, for the stories that I've written before, which have been about as I checked this morning, about a half dozen or so in the last year, give or take 15, 16 months, uh, that has had to do with her campaign finances. And again, a different pile of money. That is not taxpayers' money. That's folks who ponied up and gave money to Cori Bush's campaign. And that's where most of the focus, because that information is more readily available uh, uh, to the public. So that's what the stories have been about. But Needless to say that for all of the security spending in 2022, Axios, which is a news website, wrote a story that said that in that first year, 2021, uh, Corey Bush spent more than any other congressperson, any other member of Congress on private security. And the reason this became an issue is that people, you know, if, if people recall, this came out of she was one of the loudest proponents of defund the police. That's right. And people people were pointing out that it seemed a bit hypocritical that while you were saying defund the police to have less police to serve basically your district, you're spending 300, 400, half a million dollars a year on your own private security force. And so that's kind of how this all came up was there was a there was another edge to it other than just gosh, she's spending a lot of money. It was gosh, she's spending a lot of money while she wants to have less police officers on the street, but she seems pretty safe with her private security company. Mm-hmm. On top of that, then she married one of her and security Exactly, because yeah. I remember that was the first sort of, I mean, obviously there was the defund the police part of it, but then when right. we found out that he was her, you know, that they were romantically involved and then she married him, uh, that right. added that added another layer. So we will stay tuned. But then let's, let's hop over to Illinois and uh, Nikki Budzinski is ignoring political noise. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting. Uh, uh, I guess we both started about the same time doing uh, our jobs. She was elected to Congress. Uh, was sworn in in uh, January of last year, which is when I basically started covering uh, politics on a full time basis again. And so, kind of just been watching what she's doing. And have noticed that she has uh, made it a point to, uh, I I guess, sort of in an old school sort of way, hasn't made a lot of waves, hasn't been on the steps of uh, Congress or, you know, protesting or what have you, but has actually brought home quietly working with members of the Republican Party when necessary has actually done some things that uh, she believes will help the Metro East area. Now, uh, Ms. Budzinski, it's kind of a bizarre situation over in the Metro East. There is a, her district stretches from East St. Louis up to almost Champaign, Illinois. Wow. 
So I'm not going to use the word gerrymandering Mm -hmm. because that has a negative connotation. But uh, then there's a Republican district to the north of her and a Republican district to the south of her. So uh, Ms. Bozinski represents a district that has sort of been carved out to to make it easier for Democrats to get elected. But to her north in parts of Madison County and Jersey County and Illinois – that's a Republican representative, uh, Mary Miller. And then to the south of her in parts of St. Clair and Monroe County in Illinois, it's Mike Bost from Southern Illinois, who's also a Republican. So Ms. Budzinski is kind of this Democrat in between two Republicans. But uh, she has worked with Mike Bost on a couple of things. She has uh, worked with uh, a, a congressman from Ohio uh, who is a Republican on the Ways and Means Committee. And she basically said that she uh, she's made a conscious effort to do it. I said, it seems like you've been, you know, willing to work with both sides. Uh, Now, keep in mind on those party line votes like to support Biden or criticize something Republican. Ms. Budzinski is voting with the Democrats. It's not as if there's any, uh, you know, I guess, is there a Dino or a Dino Democrats in name only? I know there's (laughs) rhinos, but no, she's a true Democrat. She worked for J.B. Pritzker. She was one of Pritzker's top aides Mm. uh, before she ran for Congress. So she is a Democrat. But she said, you know, you got to get things done. And uh, there are things facing southern Illinois, central Illinois, uh, that that need to get done. And sometimes you're going to have to go on the other side of the aisle and find people who can help you do those things. And, you know, it, it sounds revolutionary. I remember, you know, 40 years ago, that's just how business got done. But but nowadays it seems to be more about just yelling at the other side. Do and, you do uh, you consider her to be one of the politicians who is transparent and accessible to the press? I, I, she has certainly been willing uh, to talk. Her office has been, you know, I always hate. I mean, yes, comparative to others by far, but you know, most are to some extent. It's it's just the the only ones you have to worry about the ones who claim they're transparent. Right. So, Ms. Bazinski's uh-uh. safe. She's never trumpeted her transparency, <laughs> and those are usually the people who are indeed transparent because <laughs> they understand you're supposed to be. You know, it, it, it's sort of like trying to take credit for driving the speed limit. Right. You don't right. get a bonus for that, you know. <laughs> uh, that's what you're supposed to do. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, as far as that, but then, I, you know, there's other folks that I haven't had problems with when you ask for records. Uh you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think she's, you know, but in her first year, it used to always be the rule when you went to the House or you went to the Senate. And I think we in the media have changed this somewhat. Social media has changed it drastically. It used to be that most rookie freshman legislators uh, to just be kept their mouth shut. And figured out, you know, where where are the washrooms? Where's the lunch? Where's the cafeteria? How you get a bill passed? Make some friends. Learn how the system works. But now you get elected and you just start yelling on social media. Yeah. So you know, it, it's kind of changed it. But uh, Miss Budzinski seems to be at least a throwback to the extent of let's figure out what my district needs. She said she wanted to be a member of the Agriculture Committee and the Veterans Affairs Committee. She said because they were they historically are considered traditionally the most bipartisan uh, 
committees in the House, certainly Veterans Affairs. There's veterans from both parties. Republicans and Democrats have served the country in the military. And agriculture is one of those things. There are good prairie Democrats and prairie Republicans out there who work in the agricultural field. And uh, she said, you know, it's, a, it's about getting things done. So she's went to bat for Cahokia Heights, which has been putting up with flooding for years and years. And she has tried to get, uh, like, southern central Illinois, the communities. And this is something that is in, uh, interesting, not only in separate interviews, completely disconnected, uh, Ms. Bedzinski pointed out and Jason Smith from southern Missouri has pointed out the problem with rural communities having no doctors. They're just not there. They're sick. You know, or there may be a, a general practitioner or an internist, but to get any kind of specialist, it's 60 miles away, 80 miles away, wow. 100 miles away. So she is trying to work on measures that would forgive student loans and give financial help to people sort of like a job corps, if you will, where if a doctor says, I'll work five years in an underserved community, there would be a reason to do that, you know. And and so it's, you know, it's looking at real problems, trying to come up with viable solutions, and then finding the people that can help you make those things happen for your district. And it seems to me that at least at this point, that seems to be the policy uh, or the, the uh operating procedures that uh, that Ms. Bedzinski has adopted. And so. you and you can Good read all that. about it in Joe's Political Fix, stltoday.com. Joe Holloman, thank you so much. Next week we will talk about Chiefs or 49ers. <laughs> Stay tuned. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Stay tuned. Take care, Joe. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, it's tax time, isn't it? You need some help? You might want to call Capital Advisory Group. Jeff Zufall is the chief tax strategist and wealth planner at Capital Advisory Group, and they can help you with your taxes. Jeff has told us many times the tax codes change every year. In fact, he had some new clients who came to him and said, we overpaid our taxes. So what did Jeff do? He refiled them and was able to recoup money for some of his clients. He also wrote a book called Keep What's Yours about keeping more of your hard-earned dollars in your pocket. And he has a radio show here in the Big 550 called Keep What's Yours with his co-host Josh. Gilbert from the Heidi Glaus Show. He can also help you with retirement if you're thinking about that because there are conversations you have to have with Capital Advisory Group about Social Security, personal savings, investments, pensions, health care costs you'll have to pay in retirement, taxes you'll have to pay, and how you can make sure you don't outlive your money. Jeff Zufall and his team are waiting for your call, 636-394-5524. You can look them up online capitaladvisorygrp.com or listen in this Saturday at 3 to keep what's yours with Jeff Zufall and Josh Gilbert right here on the Big 550. Jennifer and Wendy, Song of the Day. On the Big 550. KTRS. It's 1125 at the Big 550. KTRS, our musical director is kind of down for the moment. (laughs) And by down, I don't mean depressed. Um, We've got her wrapped in cotton in here. Uh, So our song of the day, we think a lot of you are going to recognize this song because the Bee Gees began recording this song on this day in 1975. It would go on to become their second U.S. chart topper and their 14th Billboard Top 20 hit. Barry Gibb said his inspiration for this song 
came when his wife commented on the sound their car made while crossing a bridge over Biscayne Bay into Miami. She noted, it's our drive talking. one probably starts hearing things differently. Like that sound on the highway. I've heard it, but I didn't think of it as a song. (laughs) Like in in rhythm. I just thought that was so funny. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the the documentary on the Bee Gees, I think it's on, if it it had been on HBO, would it now be on Max, Connor, or... Uh, yes, it would be on Max, because, I think. Uh, okay. And somebody young is going to have to explain to you and to me how the whole Max HBO thing happened. Because Why they rebranded? Or I thought Ma- I thought Cinemax had taken over HBO. Turns out that is not what happened. Correct? Is that? Uh, no. Although I think it was they were both owned by the same people. I think uh, for a while. It just seems. So. It, it sort of seems like the new Coke. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there really wasn't any. Well, I think a lot of people are with you. Any I can't, reason I can't to explain do it. why they changed the name? Um, and people are unhappy. I think so. Oh yeah, and and we would love a four one two six Royal Banks of Missouri text line because we have some playtime here, and we'd love to hear from you in terms of disco. Mm-hmm. Were you? I mean, there you could admit it. This is a safe space. I I remember in maybe seventy seven mm-hmm. when I lived in Toledo. Yeah, I remember going disco dancing. There was a disco. There was a discotheque <laughs> here at Westport. It was called the No Name Disco. It was owned by Elliot Plinells, who was the friend of my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and he also owned the Sea Hatch. That was a seafood restaurant out here. If any of you can help us fill in the the shadows, 84126. But are you proud? Are you disco and proud? Or are you disco and hang your head? Oh, because no. I think you have to you have to own that was a very important that was a very important time oh, in music. Sure. Yes. And it is that's sort of like the biggest part of that HBO slash Max documentary on the Bee Gees is how they suffered for that success because of that loudmouth Cubs guy who had the like the demolition, the disco demolition or whatever, but I think there was a lot. I, I the wore, Bee Gees were mocked. They were right, oh, for quite Jennifer, a long time. They, they like lost everything. I mean, people wouldn't talk to them because. Oh, and then I they have had to, to watch re- that. Yeah, then. they had to recreate themselves all all over again. Anyway, you, you have imagine. a quote of the day. Our quote is from Ralph Waldo Emerson: "You can never do a kindness too soon, because you never know when too soon might be too late."
Oh, you know what? Just takes one slip of the thumb. (laughs) Everything can change. So what happened to Jennifer? (laughs) Oh, it was a mandolin. By the way, you know, we love to remind you about your health screenings, and so you might want to check out Baldwin Dental Care. They have a new patient special right now, a comprehensive exam for x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning for $99 or $100 credit on your account. Dr. Kimberly Simons owns the practice. She bought it from her dad. They've been doing this out in Baldwin for about 50 years, and they go out of their way to make you comfortable because the mission statement is this. We remember what it was like to be a patient. So if you are a patient who has some anxiety in the dental chair, they'll take really good care of you. They hand you a comfort menu when you walk in. And they want to know, do you want the dentist and the hygienist to explain every little thing to you? Would you like headphones, listen to music, watch a movie? Whatever you want, they will take good care of you. And the new patient special right now, a comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning, all for $99 or $100 credit on your account. They have affordable payment options, Saturday hours, evening hours. They go out of their way to make it easy for you to take good care of your teeth. You can give them a call, 636-227-2552, or just Google Baldwin Dental Care. And if you stop in, please tell them the girls send you. We're hearing from a lot of you, disco and proud. Mr. A's in Illinois was the best. Anybody remember that? I wonder, does it say where in Illinois? Um... Yeah, let us know where that was in Illinois. Jericho's it was inside Westport. And I, I texted them. I, that must have been what took maybe uh, the no-name disco's place because this was, we used to go to the no-name um, from like up to like 1982. Mark told me there was one called Brio's, not Brio's Restaurant. Right over here. Page and Schultz. Right over here. Um, Very close to here. Yeah, Uh And it was, you couldn't get near it. You Mm -hmm. couldn't get near it. And then there was uh, 64 West. Do you remember that? Was That was the old Stan Musial and Biggie's. Mm. After they closed that restaurant, um, that became, I'm almost positive that was 64 West because it really was. People of a certain age in the room, comma, Connor. um, I think I was at 64 West once and I think I ran into Ray Hartman and he and I had a conversation. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were because it was like it was the place. Yeah, I have a vague memory of this. And very much like, um, you know, not like Studio 54, of course, not on that level because Mick Jagger wasn't there. But Mm -hmm. uh, 84126, keep those comments coming in. Mike from accounting who is younger than we are says, I was in a leisure suit for my kindergarten school pick. Probably oh, my only yes. documented association with anything disco related. <laughs> Mrs. A's or Mr. A's was in Belleville, the Big Apple on Manchester. I vaguely remember that. Mm. Um, but there was so much we were trying to explain to Connor during the break that the the level of polyester. I mean, if I'm if I were if I were, had been a cotton manufacturer at that time. When you think of the cotton board and how they use the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the commercials, polyester, there was so much petroleum in that fabric oh. that if you came anywhere near a flame, yeah. you could melt right. like the Wicked Witch exactly. just into the ground. Hey, Mary Lynn is on line one. What a pleasure. Hey, Mary Lynn. <laughs> Hi, Mary Lynn. 
Hi, good morning, ladies. Hey, Wendy, you just triggered an old joke when you said polyester. My two favorite aunts, Polly and Esther. Esther. <laughs> that was old, 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 old. But I was, I jogged my memory, and there was a Club 21 in New York, I think. There was a famous disco club in New York, and I was up there with uh, some friends, and we went there and we danced. To, uh, club 21, Club 7. Mm, I don't remember, but it was when <laughs> disco was all the rage. Oh, well, you say yeah, you did it. It was fun. It, it was fun at the time. It was it's a happy memory for it, me. It was fun, and somebody said that it was such happy music. Yes, you know, and yeah, definitely. And, even the like the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever, which I still don't think I ever watched start to finish. Like, how deep is your love? Wasn't that on the soundtrack, Mary Lynn? I think so. Yeah, that was. I, I mean, that though. was. There was some really beautiful music coming out of that that era. And, oh, definitely. Well, yeah. we're glad yeah. you called. I enjoyed it. Yeah, nice yeah, to talk to you, Mary Lynn. Take care, Jennifer. Be careful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to have to get T-shirts made. No <laughs> mandolin. Yeah, no mandolin. Uh, Clay Morgan's on Clayton. But was Clay Morgan, was that a was that a disco? Or I thought Clay Morgan's was a restaurant. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, we're just glad that all of you remember Memory Lane and where it's located. Um, um, Studio 51, somebody's asking if that's what Mary Lynn meant. Clay Morgan's, that sounds familiar. I'm thinking, remember Al Baker's used to be Yes, it was right down. It was just like three doors down. Okay. And I believe... Because Al Baker's used to be right there on the corner with a gym underneath. Correct. There was a... Al Baker's was on the corner of Brentwood and Clayton? Right. Right? Yes. Okay. And then I I thought Clay Morgan's, because I applied for a job at Clay Morgan's as a... Hostess. I was going to school at Fontpon, and it just was a perfect fit in terms of location. And then, like, I can't remember how long they were open, but I thought there was some kind of like a drug sting. Mm. Um, do you I remember? I remember a news story about this because when it, when I first moved to town in '79, it might have been early '80 when my cousin Amy, who is here now, came to stay with me, and we went to Al Baker's. Many times for the pasta. It's just yeah. like, oh my gosh, I moved to St. Louis. You would not believe how good the pasta is the here. Pasta it's unbelievable. At Baker's. Yeah. Wendy, we have Anne on line two. Anne, thank you for calling the Jennifer and Wendy show. Well, thank you because I listen to you girls all the time. Can you hear me okay? We yes. got you, Anne. I am a Michigan transplant, moved down here in 1968 for a teaching job in Ladue. So I certainly know I grew up, and I know every single place you're talking about, dancing here in the 70s and 80s and da-da-da. So it's been interesting to me. People don't know unless they're old. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But aren't we glad we made it this far? Yes, we are. Oh, you you girls, I just want to tell you I listen to you all the time. But anyway, you're probably past that whole thing now about dance clubs and this and that. No, we're not. I was listening, and I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Well, Wendy's right, 64 West, that was in there, kind of where the Science Center is now, prior Biggie, Biggie's or whatever that restaurant, blah, blah. And there were, you were trying to think of a, of a restaurant, I think, at 270 in Dorset called Time of the Tiger. Hmm. In there, as that moved along, after it stopped being Time of the Tiger, and this would be in the, oh, man, late, late 60s, early 70s, then it became a dance club called Goombas. 
We had Zumba. that, yeah. Okay. And Somebody then texted a, that one, yeah. Okay. And then after that, it became another dance club called Glances. And then it became a parking lot. <laughs> you know, but essentially, essentially that whole time period, uh, really in the, let's see, I became divorced in 80, da, 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 83. And so I was out in the lot in a bike about in the mid 80s whatever. So it, during that whole time frame, there were a lot of places you could just walk in and start dancing. You, oh. didn't have to, you didn't have to go with a date. You didn't have to go with your girlfriend. You just, it was a scene that was there. And so therefore I smile when I hear about the kind of evolved from disco, but it was still dance clubs where mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, my boyfriend and I, he says sometimes, where do young people go these days? Because he remembers too. That's a good question. And, and, and the do answer they... is, I don't know. Where do they go? We'll and have let's to ask. Have, we're going to ask our young person in residence. <laughs> our youth desk. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Oh. Great to talk to you. Don't well, be. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank yeah. you so much. Don't be Bye-bye. a stranger. Um, Comic Connor at the youth mail desk. Um, do young people go dancing anymore? Like at the discotheque. Are there discotheques? <laughs> I, I know you're mocking me. <laughs> I know you're mocking me, but that's okay. That's okay. I don't know if there are discotheques anymore. But so uh, so young people there's like, don't. There's clubs. Just clubs. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. They're just clubs. They're just clubs, I guess. Just oh, clubs. my daughter, uh, my niece's husband. <laughs> I was like, wait no, a second. No. My niece's, well, she did call me. She, was, mommy, your, she was your daughter. Is your Her daughter. husband is a DJ at the Spy Bar in Chicago, and she's often sending videos. He does that for a hobby. And people dance. It's house music. Okay. So they just don't call it anything. I suppose disco I mean, that's will, what, ne- that will never house be well, house is like house is like a European techno music. That's the genre. That's what house is. Yeah. At this particular bar in Chicago. I see. All right. Well, keep those comments coming in. Um, did you have like a – did you have an outfit? Like was there – did you have that going out outfit – and how much polyester was in it? People today who would people today who would deny wearing polyester were like they were like robed 100%. in polyester. One hundred percent. It did not breathe, and it was flammable. And we and it was like you know when I still see some of those double knit, and I guess some of the baseball uniforms are still made out of this sort of stuff. But when you see it. On like a day in July when it's 160 degrees. The you're, baseball you're, uniforms are made out of that? It's some, not well, that like used, Under Armour stuff? They used to be. They used to be made out of polyester. And oh. that's how the world was completely like just we were covered in polyester. But anyway, 84126 Royal Banks of Missouri text line. Um, I don't think you're going to find any polyester, just man-made fibers at Paul and Dental Care. They don't have polyester couches uh, anymore. They probably did when Dr. Kim's father owned the practice because they have had that practice for almost 50 years. Can you believe it? Uh, they are right now located in, and forever, I suppose, located in the old Johnny Mac Sporting Goods store on Manchester Road. In fact, when you see the Welcome to Baldwin sign when you're heading west on Manchester you're practically in the parking lot. And that's another thing that we appreciate so much. I hate playing parking lot roulette when you already feel like you're late for an appointment and there's already that anxiety. And uh, that's one of the things you're going to have to live without when you become a patient at Baldwin Dental Care is that dental anxiety. You won't have that anymore. And that's because 
they make it a Goldilocks experience. It's not just sort of a conveyor belt. They they know what you like. Do you want a lot of information, a little information? Um, do you want a blankie? Do you want goggles? Netflix on the ceiling? Do you want every you know complete silence? You will you will get what you ask for because they know that that reduces your anxiety. And guess what? It works. Call them 636-227-2552. And please be sure to tell them that the girls sent you. Let's go to Rhonda on line one. Good morning, Rhonda. Thanks for calling the Jennifer and Wendy show. You're welcome, and good morning to you. Help us, you I, disco queen. We were gonna, no. we were gonna try to put up "Help Me, Rhonda," but we didn't have enough time. But you know what? I was the disco queen. I won every dance contest. Now I'm talking about. I lived in Spanish Trace. Oh the, boy, yes, 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 yes. And the uh, Westport Plaza oh. was just opened. Um, uh, Burnham's Opera House yes. was not a disco, but. Um, the, we we always had dance contests, which I always won. Uh, Spanish Trace was talked about on the radio. It was called the Dorset Shuffle between Wood Hollow and Spanish Trace, which wasn't necessarily a great thing because people were sleeping with everybody back in that day. <laughs> Can you put that on the radio? You, you just, just did. did. <laughs> no, I was not. I was not. <laughs> we, knew, we knew that, Rhonda. We knew that. You, I'm older than you girls, I think. I'm 74, just recently. Well, your voice is young and vibrant. Oh, good, because my body's not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to mention Westport and Spanish Trace and Ozark Airlines, and oh. it, that was all in the 70s. And we had a great time. In fact, um, Spanish Trace would sponsor every year. Um, shoot. No, we can't. We had a big party every year around the July uh, Independence Day. Oh gosh, see that's old name. I can't remember. Somebody will but remember. Somebody will. Yeah. Eight four one two six. Anybody that lived at Spanish Trace will remember Rhonda in the seventies, and we just had a great time, and it was so much fun. And if I could go back to any time in my life, it would be that. Well, um, that is yeah, that's wonderful. And hey, you'll have to come out to Westport again if you haven't been here. Because it is coming back with a vengeance. Good. Yeah, it Good. really is. And and it, I think it makes all of us with memories of that time uh, just so happy. So thanks, Rhonda, for calling, and thanks for listening. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to me. Take, Take care. care, Rhonda. What was the Arrow? There was a... Oh, 94th Arrow Squadron. 94th Arrow Squadron. The, on, it was right by the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so much fun. It was. I right? remember going there because it was so cool to watch the planes landing and taking off. Yeah, that was that was really fun. It was a great. And then the, um, why am I forgetting Henry the Eighth? Remember oh, yes. Henry the Eighth? Remember Henry the song? VIII. Well, but no, the the hotel on Lindbergh, hmm. like just off Lindbergh. I don't remember one that. of those clover. Oh, trust me, I would bet. Five hundred dollars that you did speaking engagements. Speaking Probably. engagements there. Yeah. I know yeah, you we've did. We've done so many. I over know the decades. you did. Uh, Painter Greg says when he was in high school, there was a teen disco club in South County across from Melville High School. He did go there on occasion, and he is a self-described horrible dancer. And this was as as weird as this is going to be for younger people to remember or to even acknowledge. Soul Train was. Like the the black dance show, 
and American Bandstand mm-hmm. that was largely, I mean, it was, they were both and we, integrated, obviously. Yeah, and we watched both. And we watched both. But if you're really being honest, the Soul Train show was where you would, I would watch those dancers trying to think, okay, is there anything I can pick up or learn? And right. I, there was no way, Jennifer. There was, <laughs> there was just no way. There was just no way. No there way. was a fitness trend in the early in the nineties of hip hop dancing, because we all took these classes and it was it was really. But wasn't fun. that like when they like spin on the the floor? Was hip hop? No. no, why are, it was why are not you like convulsing that. over there? <laughs> I asked Connor. Were you like break dancing? What was going on? <laughs> That's here? what I'm. Are there I, clips of this? I uh, didn't. The, did you uh, break dance? Like no, no. I thought you said hip hop. But I, I thought, took these hip hop dance classes for a while. And then I belonged to this gym, Nutriformance, that had a train the trainer day. So you people who had personal trainers, you could do you could make your trainer do anything. And the money that you normally would have oh, paid okay. the trainer went to a nonprofit. So usually people were bringing in donuts and saying, "Here, eat these donuts." And I'm paying sixty five dollars to watch you eat these donuts, and the money goes for a good cause. Oh, that's nice. But I remember I brought in a hip hop dance teacher. And the trainer I had at the time, Justin, was a big, you know, muscle guy. And he had to learn to hip-hop dance in the middle of the gym in front of everybody. Oh boy, oh of boy. course, he was not the least bit <laughs> capable, self-conscious about it <laughs> oh, or good. capable. Or capable. But he didn't care. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean. Um, Anybody remember those hip-hop dance lessons? Because I'm sure there's someone out there who probably took them. And this isn't the pain medication. No, no, this was just okay, a workout. Is, it was just a workout class. Like aerobics were big for a while, and then step aerobics and hip hop dancing. Do I look? Do I look like I was there? No, I, could never, I was not there. I could never get a workout with step aerobic classes because I am too Be- clumsy. No, you are very. So, no, you're very graceful. <laughs> I have proof of it today. We're just glad you're back. Ninety fourth was just a restaurant, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, became engaged there. There was an adult club in South County in the Lamp Lighter Square, but I can't remember the name of it. The sure name some... of the fiancé or the name of the restaurant? I don't know, <laughs> but we have our favorite street at KTRS is Memory Lane. Yeah. So we will we will revisit. Um, trust me. Do you remember the St. Louis Hop Show? No, I don't. No. Like a sock hop? I don't either. Wow. Show? Was it on TV? Oh. See, the thing is for... Um... <laughs> Look at this. At my age, hip-hop dance training is now hip-hop dance, LOL. You know, there, there were these long periods of time where in our own respective careers, Wendy was doing radio mm-hmm. early, early in the morning, had to drive 63 miles each way, had two little girls. I was doing early morning TV, so I did not up stay up late. you woke up at like one. Yeah. So you... there are just certain things that... Uh, that we didn't get to. Not part of because sample. of the hours. Shivala Phase 2 in the basement of the Ambassador Hotel across from the Chase. Yeah, there were, there, there were some wild things happening in this town in the 70s. I used to hear stories in my mouth. See, of course I got here in December of 79. <laughs> <laughs> Missed it again. We're sure glad you did, though. Hey, stay away from mandolin slicers, you promise. Oh, we're going to have gosh. to have like... I don't even think you should go near a mandolin instrument, oh, like I a agree. musical instrument. I agree. John Carney, Julie Buck up next, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Mwah. Just to have a laugh or sing a song.
Cause we just get started And before you know it Comes the time we have to say So 